Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier. Excited to be back with the latest episode of the show. Really excited to have a first-time guest with us. Our listeners know I love bringing on first-time guests, introduce them to our audience. And so really excited to have Jen Honig on today. And so Jen, where I'd like to start is to get you to tell us maybe a little bit about your background or your journey for those listeners who may be discovering you for the first time today. Absolutely. So I am a first-time business owner right now. I've been in business for about a year. I left a, I left a 20-year career in healthcare and academics. So I'm an athletic trainer. Obviously, I still identify highly as a healthcare provider, uh, athletic trainer, and I also taught for 10 years in uh, the collegiate setting. So about a year ago, well, so I just turned 40 a year ago, and I, it no longer bothers me to say that out loud, but uh, I was not happy with work. Uh, I loved what I, I love what I do, but that particular setting that I was working in, in that particular moment, uh, wasn't fulfilling. I dreaded going to work. There's not, there wasn't a lot of work-life balance. Uh, and you know, as Brendan Burchard calls it, I, I wasn't living a charged life. I was very, very caged and, uh, starting to become resentful and, you know, all of, all, all of those things trickle over to your personal life. So about a year ago, the universe just decided to, you know, it gave me a fork in the road. And which way was I going to take? Was I going to stay with my company, go to a new site, double my commute, have to work graveyard? Uh, and it made me nauseous in my stomach to even consider that. Uh, and I'd always been saying I wanted to do my own thing. Or like, you get that you just know in your belly that there's something more, something different. And so few of us actually will take the chance to discover what that is or to go in that direction, if that makes sense. So about a year ago, I said, no, thank you. I went to Europe for a month for my birthday and I got back and I was like, oh shit, what the hell did I do? Like, I, there's really like nothing next. Like, what is it? So I started a dog training business. And that is currently what I'm doing. Wow. So I guess the first question that jumps right out at me as a follow-up is why a dog training business? There, there's got to be some connection to, to that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's something somebody accidentally falls into. Right. Like healthcare to dog training for sure. So I kind of feel like I'm coming full circle in one way. Uh, I, growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I rode horses. Um, I was in athletics. So I ended up in athletic training because like a lot of female athletes, I tore my ACL. So I ended up in healthcare then. And it's kind of everything that we do in our life, no matter, you know, if we understand it or not, like every single thing I've done has kind of prepared me for, for what I'm doing right now. And if, well, if you really take a pause and reflect on that and not just in the moment you're thinking like, I'm just going to pick up dog training out of nowhere. Like dog training is personal development. Dog training has everything to do with the human. And I, so basically my dog, dogs show up in our life for a reason. They're here to teach us things. It just depends on if we're ready to receive that message or if we're open to receiving or if we even pay attention to it, if that makes sense. 
and I'm coming up on the anniversary of, of a Mack truck event, essentially, that my dog handed to me. Like, she'd given me the feather. She'd given me the little nudge. Like, hey, are you paying attention? You're not happy. You're reactive. You don't have any boundaries. You know, you put too much on your plate. You stay busy to avoid dealing with things. And then she gave me a brick. And then she killed my other dog. So, essentially, I went in this direction because I want to prevent other dog owners from experiencing that. And what it really like, what it, what's beautiful about it, we're coming full circle in that, again, I, I said it just a bit ago, like dog training is personal development. It's just whether or not we're paying attention and ready and, and open to receive that message. So when I look at like all of my clients, they're really just former versions of myself with a dog that has behavior that they don't want. Wow. So it's interesting. One of the things that I think you and I chatted about this at the Brendan Burchard event where we met is a lot of people don't think about the fact that business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs, solopreneurs, lifestyle entrepreneurs, in a lot of cases are dog owners. And this is the question I have out of that. Do you feel that the behavior as let's say an entrepreneur that we have, whether it's our energy because we're stressed because we're trying to find clients or whether it's um, our sleeping patterns because we stay up late versus uh, going to bed early. Do you think that all carries over to our dogs? 100%. Dogs, <laughs> dogs are such energetic beings and they pick up on energy, right? Uh, I seem to attract in like nervous, fearful dogs and uh, they'll pick up like, your dog will mirror your behavior. If you look, if, if you look in the mirror, your dog is mirroring something in you that either you're aware of and just not ready to deal with or that you're unaware of. And then they'll keep pushing with their behavior to bring that to light, to make you slow down and really think about it. So 100%, they, they are energetic beings and you can meditate with them. You can, they can take you through and show you things that you, again, it, you got to be open to receive that. I have to, I have to phrase all of this very uh, specifically or, or, you know, it, sometimes it's like, oh, that's just a lot of woo-woo bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can totally appreciate that because I, if I'm being honest, I was that guy, let's say 20 some years ago, who would have said that. You know, I would have said, this is just out to lunch. But, you know, my journey, I, my eyes get open to a lot of things that I wouldn't have believed before. And when we talk about, like, dogs following our behavior, it makes me think of my mother, who she had this dog when she first was retired from work, and she was home all day. Uh, she had this dog who basically she would go to bed late at night and sleep in late, and the dog ended up doing the same thing. And... Mm -hmm. You notice the more she changed her behavior, the more the dog followed her behavior. And so it's interesting how, you know, a dog, which normally would be a dog that would actually not sleep in and would be, you know, maybe a dog that was up at five in the morning to go to the bathroom. He followed her behavior so much that he, in fact, even went to the, he actually did the, went, would stay uh, sleeping for an extra, you know, three or four hours in the morning and go to the, out for the bathroom at nine or 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning and hold it all that time. So the dog even got used to changing his own mm -hmm. behavior that way. For sure. And, and just like humans, dogs have chakra systems. So 
it's really interesting. And that's what I'm diving into with, with Amy, one of my, uh, I'm in a mastermind for animal communication. Uh, like most dogs behavior is rooted in the, the lower three chakras and a lot of human issues are coming out. Like if you're not feeling grounded, then your dog's going to give you a behavior that shows them that they're not feeling grounded either. Or the nervous, you know, fearful, anxious dogs, you know, that root chakra is all your safety security needs. Or if you want to flip it back into humans, it's, it's the lowest level of, you know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So yeah, I get up early and if I, if I choose to sleep in my dogs, are, yeah, they're, they're rumbling around in their crates. Like, Hey, why isn't she up yet? <laughs> so, yeah, and cool. yeah, and I guess because your behavior normally would be that you'd be up by then, right? Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yep. So, the, so they've changed. They've they've uh, basically adapted to that behavior. So whenever you're not doing what you normally would do, they're like, "What's going on here?" Whereas my mm -hmm. mother, she developed the, got the dog into the behavior of just sleeping in until yep. well, she woke up. And exactly. what happened was instead of her like when early on, my mom said the dog used to wake her up to kind of go, "I need to go pee." And then it just, over time, it adapted to where the dog would just sleep in with her. Yep. And so I saw, like, the dog, and, and even so much so that even my mom's nervous energy, like my mom, um, is my mom years ago had a nervous breakdown, and, and she's open about this stuff, so I know I can be. Uh, she's also, she's found it, she's bipolar. And so the dog ended up having similar nerve issues over time. Like, the dog was nervous. When people come in, the dog would jump, and... But, and my mom said, well, I don't know why she's never been like that before, but it would, and she noticed it would happen at times when my mother was more nervous or had more stress. So that, that's why I asked you, Jen, is it, is, do we, does it happen that dogs eventually adapt to our behavior? And so if you're, I guess, having said all that, if, what should you learn from that? If you're like an entrepreneur, if you're um, a solopreneur and you know, your dog is, is reflecting and mirroring what you're going through which is being stressed all the time or working late hours or what have you is there you said they're trying to teach us stuff is there stuff that we can take from that absolutely i think if you look at them as a barometer for where you're at in that particular moment if you're stressed about like so I'm trying to think of a good example here like i always know if if I put my dogs in the back burner too much in terms of like, oh, I've got all this business stuff I need to do. I have these client dogs in and like, they're the ones that kind of like, I won't do as much with them. So then they'll start kind of acting out and not, they're very obedient. They're very well-trained. They, they know what to do. But if I get off track and not consistent with them, because I'm putting my energies into business or into clients or into, you know, what have you, they'll kind of like bring me back like, all right, you're right. We need to go on a long walk. We're not grounded. Let's go out, get in nature, um, put your noses to the ground. And it, it's just, I think if you look at them as a barometer as to how you're feeling, like, do you need to come back to center? Do you need to slow down, take a break, you know, go meditate, you know, anything like that. And so now were you, when you were in your, we'll say your corporate career, did you find that, and I don't know, you know, I won't make assumptions, so I don't know if it was a stressful career or if it wasn't stressful or what have you, but did you find that your dogs behave differently than they do now, or is it pretty much the same? Well, I was a very different person. Like, so my, my dog essentially killing her brother, you know, like, like she wounded him so badly that he, it, I couldn't keep him alive. 
Uh, and she was very reactive. So because I didn't have good work-life balance, I was reactive, short fuse. I didn't know about meditation, right? Like her, her doing that, that event was the catalyst for me to start exploring and getting back to who I am, who I am, who I was at my core. You know what I mean? And, and to really like slow down and evaluate, like, what, what am I really doing? I'm not happy. So, and I now have forgotten the other question, but yeah, absolutely. I, well, I think I was just driving at like, did, did you find the work you're doing also impact your, your animals as well? Yeah, because my work wasn't fulfilling me. And I was a very reactive person. I had a very reactive dog in certain situations. And that's what led her to do that. And because I wasn't being consistent, I also was highly, heavily involved in rescue work. So I didn't just have my dogs. I had like, I would have anywhere from six to eight dogs at a time, working full time and um, doing rescue work on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a whole other, uh, it's a whole other thing is the rescue world and environment like adopt, don't shop. And there's so much emotion involved in rescue. And I can say this, because I was one, but rescue is full of a lot of emotionally broken women that aren't really willing to look at themselves and what they can do, fix their own ish, if you will, yeah. uh, to be able to approach rescue in a more logical manner. Like rescues should be run as businesses and they're not. And again, I knew this would take us down a whole different avenue, but um, really it comes down to Again, when, with dogs as personal development, if, if we prevent owners with problem dogs that have behavior they don't like, but really it's behavior that they've created in some way with how they live with their dog, yeah. we'll prevent more dogs from going into shelters. If, if I'm hoping that follows through, you know, translates for people. Yeah, it, it totally makes sense to me. And I guess, you know, as we, and I'll just say, as we start to wind our, ourselves down, um, there's never enough time. So I'm going to call it a to be continued as well with your permission. But sure. um, in terms of, you know, we, so this is what I want to drive at before I ask you the, the questions we like to ask every guest. Uh, so I go with my intuition until we get to those questions. But before I jump ahead, I do have one more question on the, on the dog training side. We watch a show like, um, I don't remember what the show is called, but Caesar Milan his shows that he had, his different dog shows. And we watched that. And I think that's where TV's where people kind of get around to this idea of dog training other than, you know, when I was younger, my mother would bring our dogs to dog obedience class and what have you. But it wasn't like, um, let's say a talked about thing until, you know, reality TV grabbed a hold of it. But what I'm wondering is when I walk, watched him go into different homes, mm -hmm. it seemed like there were common behaviors. And so I guess what I'm driving at here, Jen, is do you see common behavioral problems like do you find there's common things that come up over and over again or is it is it always different or and i'm just thinking for that dog owner right now that's having trouble with their dog already 100 percent uh so a lot of it comes down to boundaries so where do people struggle having boundaries themselves and then therefore you see dogs jumping on people dogs rushing through the doorway and running out into the street and getting hit by a car or you know jumping on grandma or grandpa or um, not waiting for their food. So then they'll like resource guard with the other dog. And, and 
tons and tons of leash reactivity. So dogs that don't walk well on leash are often just either I'm really super excited and I don't know how to control myself and I want to go meet that other dog, or I'm really unsure and I'm fearful about meeting, you know, the other dog. So I'm just going to bark and be loud and, and try to make you go away. And all of that boils down to impulse control mm. and boundaries. So where are people like a dog shouldn't rush out of the crate, just close, close the door in his face and teach them to like, take a step back. Like, Oh, would you like me to listen to you? So like dogs, they get to the, uh, they're super easily excitable and there's, you know, and they're just, I want to meet you. I want to lick you. I want to do all this. And so they get into this arousal level where they then can't, they can't comprehend what you're trying to communicate the the message isn't getting through. So you need them to come down here. So that's like a lot of common behavioral issues why they get surrendered to shelters our impulse control, which really translates to, to boundaries. So where in us do we have issues giving boundaries? And I think that's a, a very common theme with a lot of people. So I love that. And I will, so I'll say what I think is interesting there. And what I'll say is I had a friend of mine who owned a bulldog and you know, you hear how a lot of people say bulldogs are sort of stubborn dogs, or at least they just aren't, they, maybe they don't have the same personalities, let's say a lab in terms of learning they just seem to be like the lazy lay around dogs or whatever um having said that i think it's like anything right you can teach any dog but my buddy had this dog and it was a bulldog and he couldn't he would take an obedience school but it was funny because the day he stopped going was when they said that they were going to let the dogs run to the door and then they're going to command the dogs to stop at the door and he said my dog will just keep running it's like a three thousand dollar dog i'm gonna lose my dog and so he wouldn't go back but but it speaks i think for him because you'll like this is kind of funny and at the same time it speaks volumes about why his dog was running uh, roughshed in the house but the dog he was talking to the the puppy class trainer and we were visiting him in a different place than we lived so we you know we didn't know the dog from a hole in the ground but he was going to puppy class every week and the dog was uh my buddy's name is shannon and the dog was uh basically running the show and the instructor at obedience class said, Shannon, how's come, things coming along with the dog? And he goes, oh, I think he finally knows who's boss. And as he said it, the dog lifted his leg and peed on his leg. <laughs> That's brilliant. But we, we watched my buddy every day. He's like, stop, Bob. Stop. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. And he's like, oh, don't, stop. Oh, don't do that. But I mean, like, it was like the dog was running the show. And, yeah. and there's even differences in training styles, right? Like, if you just go to a big box store like Petco or, or PetSmart, you know, it's six week class. I'm like, oh yes, I'm taking my dog to obedience training. But what you're, what I heard in that story is you can have a really obedient dog that will sit for a treat down, come do this, but you're not addressing mindset. And that's a huge theme throughout personal development with humans, right? Like we have to work on our mindset. Like you throw all the treats you want at a dog, but if it wants to go after the squirrel or after whatever's more interesting over there and you haven't worked on mindset and impulse control, he's going to, he's going to lift his leg on someone or continue to do what they want. So. so let me ask you this before we dive into the, we'll call it the rapid fire round, the three questions I mentioned I want to ask you. Uh, but Jen, where would you say, I mean, well, there's two part questions, this, but where would you say somebody should start that if they're having those challenges? And secondly, with the technology we have today, do you work with like, this is just me thinking out loud, but do you work with people 
over Zoom and Skype and stuff, is that possible now? Or do you still need to be there in the energy with the dog? Like, so I don't know that, that's a, just an open question. And then the second part is, um, where do you recommend people start? So in terms of technology, yeah, I think virtual program. So what I'm, what I'm envisioning is adding in virtual coaching training or putting together programs that owners can uh, watch and do, like go along and do on their own. There's so much free content about dog training, you know, on YouTube and Facebook. And, and I think it's really important for trainers to show their work. There's, there's also two different avenues of training of positive only where dogs, you know, shouldn't be told no, but dogs are like kids. Like you have to give them all uh, all squares of, of, of learning and then there's balanced trainers. And then I would even label myself as more holistic because I'm not just looking at the dog. I'm looking at environment. I'm looking at their health. I'm looking at what they're being fed. And I'm also in, incorporating like the mindset and energy and, and spiritual stuff, uh, which some might freak out some people. But yeah, I do envision with technology that you can do it online or from afar. Um, and what was the other question? I'm sorry. Oh, I guess the other oh, where question. Start? Where do they start? Yeah, where, were they, where would you say they start? Uh, that's tough. If you get a, like, if you get a dog as a puppy, you start immediately, right? You give that dog structure and you give that dog boundaries, you know, crate training, teaching them impulse control. Like puppies are so cute and you can like, but they're not puppies forever, especially if you have a larger breed dog, mm -hmm. you know, a Mastiff or, you know, a lab, shepherds, and then there's breed requirements get the right dog at the right time for the right reasons because if if you aren't an active person then you don't get a husky you don't get a high drive working dog if you are a homebody get a dog that is happy just holding the couch down gotcha um and it, again it, it's rule structure and boundaries if you adopt a rescue dog i mean so many people feel bad but a dog still needs boundaries. You shouldn't like extreme makeover the dog and just like, oh my God, you've been in a cage and you've, you know, they give them these stories. You've had this horrible life and, and oh my God, you'll never be caged again. And we'll, you can do whatever you want. Well, you've now just given all of the dog the freedoms. And what you said earlier, the, the dog was running, the dogs run the show. So you start with structure and boundaries. And actually a really nice uh, thing to think about is, your structure needs to, to match your love and affection. So if you're an eight out of 10 on, on love and affection, then you better be an eight out of 10 on structure and boundaries and rules, right? There's, it's a balance. And if one side is more uh, than the other, then that's when we start to see behavioral issues as well. Love it. So Jen, I, I said I was going to ask you these three questions and then I want to just ask how people can connect with you to learn more. Uh, first of those three questions though is, and this is probably maybe more timely than, than it would have been if I asked you this question four years ago, but I don't know that because you said you were a different person now than you were then. Um, how do you define success? Uh, wow, that's, that's a doozy. Um, how would I define success? I think if you are living on purpose and if you are following your dreams and your passions and you found the population that you want to serve and you're, you're just living your best life, 
I think that's success. It doesn't really matter how much money's in the bank. It does like, who are you serving and, and do you enjoy what you do? Great definition. Uh, how about who inspires you and why? Uh, I think thought leaders inspire me. Like, again, I've been doing so much personal development work and those individuals that have like, you, you hear their story and they've come from wherever they have, but they've just put their nose to the ground and when they take risks, right? I mean, starting a business and, and finding what your sole purpose is and going after it with nothing and no one is going to get in your way that kind of attitude uh those are the kind of people that inspire me and the people that are changing how we think like i've been watching a ton of brene brown recently and you know i mean i just went to a summit amber lillystrom is is a new one for me the branding and marketing specialist but just people that are going after it People that aren't living in a cage or like, eh, it's fine. It's okay. Just, I don't know. That's not, I don't know if that's a super great answer, but. No, that, that's a brilliant answer. That are going after it and doing it and not letting anything get in their way. Yeah, that's a great answer. Love that. Or I say people that are raising the consciousness for what we need to do as a human race to, to change how we treat the planet, how we're raising our children because if we are raising, if we continue to raise our children uh, in the current climate, we're all, we're all screwed. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, what about last official question, but I call this a time machine question and I'll preface it by saying if time machines existed or, and we don't, I mean, maybe they do, who knows, but if time machines existed right now and you could jump into a time machine, go back and talk to your younger self and give her some life advice. Here's my two part question. Would you jump in the time machine first of all? And then if you would, uh, what kind of life advice do you think you might give her? Yes, I would absolutely 100%. Uh, if this was available for all of us, uh, I would tell her, don't get caught up in all the minutia. Don't, other people's opinions don't matter. You know, there's so many women, so many, so many humans that allow other people's opinions, allow themselves to be small when they don't need to be. So I, I would go back and probably my high school self, no, probably younger and other people's opinions don't matter. You do you, you be who you, you be your true authentic self and don't let anyone push you into a box or quiet your voice or not allow you to speak your truth. Yeah, I, uh, I dig that because uh, there's a quote that I really like and I'm paraphrasing because it's a while since I heard it, but along the lines of uh, other people's opinions of me aren't my business. <laughs> I think it's Rachel Hollis. Oh, really? I think. It could be. I, yeah, so whoever's quoted is, I love it because I, I, I really do feel that, you know what, we make too big of a thing about what somebody else thinks about us. And the truth is, if they're saying it behind our back and we hear about it, really, it's, even though it seems crazy because it's about us, we think it's our business. But I really think at the end of the day, it's, it's, we shouldn't even think of that. That's part of our world. That's, that's their energy. So I, I just love that quote. Well, exactly. And, and really, 
if, if, if they're saying it, it's kind of like, why is what I'm saying triggering them? Mm -hmm. And really it goes back to like, what it's really more their issue than mine. So true. <laughs> no, but it, it's so true. Uh, so I said the last uh, question, which would be the unofficial one is simply how we can learn more. So if somebody wants to connect with you further, where would you normally direct or send them? So right now I am on Facebook because my yeah. website is under construction because I am becoming a technological genius, but I'm not quite there yet. Uh, so it's, I think it's at PCK9 training is my Facebook uh, link. And then my website, once it's up, would be pc-k9.com. But my business name is Positive Change, like with dog paws. Positive Change K9 Training and Consulting. Awesome. Well, I, I figured I'd search it as well at the same time. And yeah, that came up perfectly. So awesome. you gave the right address. So awesome stuff. Well, Jen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, we'll call it a to be continued. Look to bring you back on in the future and keep this conversation alive. I know we barely scratched the surface, uh, but I think it's a good introduction for people that are looking for some tips for how to train their dogs better or deal with problem dogs. And at the same time, gives us an introduction to you and, and the work you're doing as well. So thank you for making that happen. No, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.